0: Welcome back to Conversations with Coco and Friends. I'm your host, Coco, AKA Katrina Smart. Every episode, I'll be having real conversations with the people who inspire me. We go deep and we go there. And I've got my girls with me. This podcast is co hosted by two of my friends who I happen to also work with. Cleo is a kick ass producer and a problem solver, and Pilar is an insane director and social media manager. On today's episode of Conversations with Coco and Friends, we had the chance to chat with Lauren McPhillips of This Renegade Love. I've been a huge fan of Lauren since she popped on the scene with a refreshing take on influencer culture. She has grown her business and presence by refusing a linear approach and always remaining open to the possibilities. On today's episode, we chat about imposter syndrome, how to be an ally, and why not having kids can be a beautiful and fulfilling choice. You're gonna love it. So you're, Lauren, your career went from editorial at Style at Home Magazine to travel PR with Kentucky. Oh my gosh, yes. I remember Kentiki? Yeah. That's amazing. I, <laughs> I wanted, always wanted to go on a Kentiki trip, and I never got to. You dabbled in the London market and then took all of that insight from those experiences to launch your blog and brand, This Renegade Love. Tell us about this journey and how you trusted your gut to change your mind and feel at ease with changing careers and locations.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean in terms of um changing locations, uh, I had moved to the UK for for work. Um they had a position open for uh, the global PR and brand partnerships manager for Kentucky. Um but also my boyfriend at the time who worked um who works there, uh, who is now my husband, he uh I went there as well for him. So uh, it was kind of twofold and then yeah, I kind of I was I was doing that job and I was kind of on this other side of it, working with these like big influencers and big content creators and having that sort of background in writing and photography and um, being a web editor at style at home. And that really kind of uh, one-to-one interaction. I really missed it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and I kind of felt like everything that was out was like not vapid, but it was this, it was at a height of like really idolizing celebrity culture. And I just thought, I was traveling around the world with my job and meeting all these like incredible people who had incredible stories, but these stories weren't the ones that were being amplified in the media. And so mm-hmm. um, so I kind of wanted to create a platform for that. And that's why I started this Renegade Love was really just to interview like ordinary people doing extraordinary things with their lives um, that we might not other hear from otherwise. So... I just did profiles and it kind of built from there and it's evolved and it's still in an evolution process. I don't know what the next step uh, will be for this renegade love, but yeah, it's kind of just become a hub where people can go and and be inspired and be inspired to pivot in their life and um, not have any regrets.
0: I remember when you first came out and I was like, oh, this is so amazing. Not only was (laughs) your content super beautiful, it was really a breath of fresh air when everything kind of did feel rapid, and then now like seeing it grow and transform I'm obsessed with your TikToks they're so fucking hilarious I'm Like, thank you this is so good so I just love that it keep, like that's a really good reminder for people to realize that it's not nothing is static and that you don't mm-hmm. always have to be one thing
3: yeah, absolutely. And and I think at the end of the day, it's like the the one thread throughout everything is that I've always kind of been myself. And so like what people see online is just who like who I am in person. So um, so people that have come to kind of follow me at all different parts of that journey have just followed the same person. So they're they're getting different types of content, but they're getting all the same me. So
1: it kind of worked out. I love that. <laughs> and you say that was such grace, but that is not the common thematic, to be clear. (laughs) Um, We're we're frequenters on your blog and we love it. And the perspective and purpose of people just needing that dose of positivity and the will to try, which again, sounds so easy. But what would you say to someone who is seeking that extra push to feel motivated to move forward in doing something specific or
3: even just bettering themselves overall at any stage in their life? Yeah, I think... One of the things that I've really um, come to do is, first of all, I take breaks from social media a lot because there's so much noise there. And especially if you're a creative person, then you you don't even know if something is your own original idea or if it's something that's subconsciously just like come in there and you think it's your own, but it's, it was influenced by someone else. So I think it's really important to sit in the quiet which is really really uncomfortable to do but to sit in those moments where you're not doing anything you can just maybe sitting in your backyard or whatever and let your thoughts go maybe you're going for a walk with your dog or whatever it is and you come to learn so much about yourself that way without the influence of other people um so that's been really important um and also the other thing is to try things without um expectation of success because i think a lot of the times now we we don't just try things uh, and just sucking at it. (laughs) like We always want to be good at things immediately or we think um, I'm going to start this project and I want it to make me money. Everything kind of now has to turn into a business. And so I think a lot of people, and myself included, have lost that kind of desire to do things just for the fun of it and to try new hobbies and try new skills and try to develop new skills just for fun without thinking it needs to turn into something. And I think when you do that and when you just let yourself enjoy different parts of your life, you never know where that can take you. Um, And so that also tells you a lot about yourself.
1: So refreshing to hear those words out of your
2: mouth. (laughs) Good. Oh my God. I feel like that's that's like a a little like flick in the face. Like don't forget to just have a little bit of fun. And I think what you're saying is super important because You're right. And we've all gotten really good at being good at stuff, but we haven't gotten really good at being shitty at stuff Mm -hmm. sometimes. And that's totally fine. Um, I feel like that kind of dovetails nicely into the idea that you pride yourself on saying it's never too late to start over and just try something new. So can you share what your biggest piece of advice is for the person like that person who believes that it's too late for them? like in all areas of their life, be it, you know, leaving their place of work or leaving a marriage or whatever the case is, Mm -hmm. tell us everything.
3: (laughs) Well, for me, I think it's just like leaning into the pivot and um, understanding that, If you are not happy with where you are, then any step forward or even a little pivot back is better than staying stuck with where you are. And so, and it doesn't need to be like a big life change. And, you know, some people are maybe stuck, like they want a a new job. Uh, They're not happy with where they are, but they financially can't do it. Well, what are the steps that you can do in the meantime To work towards that. It doesn't need to be just like dump everything and move on to the next thing. If you're kind of uncomfortable in that moment, then just take little steps towards getting to where you are. Um, But pivots have brought me (laughs) so many different directions and it's helped me grow as a person. I mean, even at the beginning of the pandemic, I went back to working full-time. I'm a brand manager for uh, a medical spa in Toronto called North Medical. And that was something that a lot of people said as well. They're like, you worked for yourself for five years. How did you go back to working for someone else and did it feel like a failure? And it didn't at all. It was just a different a different pivot in my life. And, and I think and it's brought me a lot of happiness. and I you know, who knows where I'll go next. But I know that like also, I think a lot of people get stuck in thinking like the next move is that's it. And it's not, <laughs> you know, you can make a you can make a small move and do something. Um, like for example, my husband, he worked in the travel industry for twenty years, international travel. And um, again, COVID hit, and international travel went to shit. And so he, um, you know, in the meantime, he said, "I don't really know what to do." And so he went and he was serving wine at a winery around the corner, and it was a great way for him to see that the aspects that he really enjoyed from his previous job wasn't the working in the travel industry but it was working with people and creating experiences for them and making sure that the time that they were in his presence that they had the best experience possible and so now he's the gm of a restaurant here in the county and he absolutely loves it and um it's kind of but he needed that step in between to kind of guide him into what the next thing was so I think it's like people just reminding themselves that like moving from one position, you can have other steps in between to get to that end goal of where you want to be. It doesn't need to be the next step.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care.
0: So you have advocated for um, Black Lives Matter. And I, I, I do have, we have questions that we're gonna move on to, um, mm-hmm. to talk about not wanting to have kids, but I just, I'd be remiss to not bring it up um, because I think it's super important that you really took a stand and became a solid ally for um, Black people. And I wonder how you were able to do that um, Because I know a lot of my friends haven't been able to do it. It it had been like a very, very difficult thing um, for a lot of people to justify, not only justify, maybe justify is not the word, but um, there's so much that comes with it. There's a a lot of courage that comes with it. um, But there's also a lot of, when it comes to racism, I find I have a lot of white family and they take it almost like as an affront to them as humans. Like, well, I'm not racist. Um, but you, you clearly aren't racist, but you've taken it a step further to advocate. How did you, how were you able to get there?
3: Yeah, I kind of think back, I wrote a blog post. It was years ago and it was called Dear White People. Um, I actually don't even remember. It wasn't called Dear White People. That's the TV show. It was in the movie. Um But it was basically say it was just kind of like this open letter. And it was after like a a shooting of of a black child. And um, I remember just being so angry in that moment and so enraged by seeing the comments online and people, white people getting so upset um, about being called racist or saying, you know, they were saying, oh, but blue lives matter because it was a it was a police um, shooting. And I remember getting so pissed off at this inability to just like shut the fuck up, just like shut up and and listen. And um I kind of just went from there. And then so then I started just reading um more books and reading books about anti-racism. And I think the first time I was talking to Monique Melton about this, who's an anti-racism educator, um I had her on a live on my on my Instagram and she she was asking, she's like, you know, when did you start your like anti-racism journey? And even though I had, you know, always advocated um for black lives before, it was really seeing the words white supremacy and understanding that like i was part of that and because everyone thinks they're like oh no that's like you know the kkk or it's it's really outward racism but not understanding that it's the systems and so that was kind of a big thing for me and then just yeah making sure i was really vocal on on my instagram and making sure that we talked about it and because i know like the my audience is probably predominantly white and so it was just important for me to talk about it because they might not be hearing about it from other places and they might be having those reactions where they feel like it is an affront to them. Um, And so just kind of encouraging them to do the same and that it's gonna be an uncomfortable ride and you're supposed to feel uncomfortable. Um, But yeah, it was just an important important thing for me.
0: Well, thank you. And um, (laughs) now we're going on to another topic where you you advocate for not having kids, which I think is super Mm -hmm. important too. I I think we've kind of, I was saying this earlier, I think we've we've almost gone backwards in like, um, maybe not that, maybe feminism in that um, it's like having a baby is kind of a rite of passage for every single woman (laughs) on the planet, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Um, How did you come to this without being like another person that's prodding you about why you're not having kids? I just, I want to preface that we're asking these questions because I want to create, to be part of the messaging that creates space for women to make, and men to make that choice that they don't have to, or if they don't want to have kids, they don't have to have kids. What made you come to that decision?
3: Yeah, I'm totally fine talking about it. Um, Yeah, I, it's actually, for me, it was a non-decision. It just, I I just continued to live my life. (laughs) It's really, I think the decision is more like people saying, do I want kids? And I just never had that question. I just knew in my gut that it wasn't something that I wanted. I never looked at a child, and never thought I wanted one. It just wasn't something I ever saw as being a part of my life. And I'm very, very lucky that I don't have family and I don't have religious or cultural norms that are kind of guiding me in in one direction. So I'm very like privileged in that sense. Um, my parents were always you know, never pushed it. It wasn't anything like that. So I didn't have those kinds of pressures. Um, obviously, like there's societal pressures and things like that. But for me, again, it was just like it was a non decision, and and my husband didn't want kids either. So <laughs> it's kind of like the perfect fit. That was literally my question. I was gonna say, did
1: you and your husband have to
3: have a conversation
1: about this before getting into a relationship? But that's great
3: that you both aligned from the beginning. Yeah, it kind of it was actually like um, it was a, a situation that had happened um, where he was kind. And it was early on in our relationship where we kind of had to talk about the whole kid situation. And and I said, you know, I really don't want kids. And he said, I don't either. And I was like, are you OK with having a dog? Because <laughs> I'm going to need that. <laughs> And, and that was kind of, yeah, that was kind of it. And, and then, yeah, we just didn't talk about it. I think a lot of people just are like, how do you know? How do you know? And like, um, I'm like, I don't think about it. Just like, I don't think about many other things that I don't want in my life. And I did a TikTok about, you know, how do you know you don't want to be an astronaut? Um, and I'm like, cause, they're, cause I never think about it. <laughs> I never, ever think about it as an option. So <laughs> out of sight, out of mind.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, with that said, I know you said like you're really fortunate that you don't have those, you know, those other pressures that so many women have on them in terms of like family, religious, all that stuff. What would you say to women who even are in a position like you, who already knew it was a non-starter, but have those pressures? And then, you know, I feel like at a certain point, it honestly, it's gaslighting, but it becomes so overwhelming for them. So do you have any, you know, words of wisdom for people who are kind of stuck in that situation?
3: Yeah, it's hard for me to speak on because I don't, so I can't relate to that feeling. And there's so many different situations that people could be in. Um, but I think it's really setting boundaries with family members, and and at the end of the day, like it's your life, and it's your body, and um, you need to make those decisions for yourself. And I think, I, again, I think there's some people that are in really unfortunate decisions, unfortunate circumstances where. Maybe they might lose some family members or they might lose some friends because of it. And that's a decision that you have to... I think it's like you have to be aware of all the things that could have like follow afterwards um, and, and make a decision based off of that. But again, it's for me like the worst thing ever... Would be having a child and regretting it because you cannot take that back. And so it's such a massive decision to me that you have to listen to your gut and it, you have to be absolutely sure on it.
0: What are your favorite parts of living child free? Let's, let's oh. put a little bit of celebration around <laughs> not having kids.
3: <laughs> I don't want to make anyone jealous, but the free time <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> the fact that, you know, I can sleep in. <laughs> I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, like, and that's stuff that's important to me. And I think that there is this idea that that's selfish. And if that's selfish, then so be it. Then I'm selfish in that regard. But like, that's the way I want to live my life, and and those things are important to me. And having time to spend with family and friends, and and do what I want, and be in like a good mental state, and have control over those parts of my life the best ever and there's times even too when I think like god like I go with my girlfriends at night and maybe like hung over the next day and I'm like imagine having a child right now like I could not
2: <laughs> so it's things like that definitely like the the freedom of time is is the biggest thing I love that we were chatting a little bit before you got on about the idea of legacy and we got like riled up about it Mm -hmm. because obviously when we talk about legacy, when it comes to men, it's always about money, their name, their story. What are you going to leave behind? What's your legacy? And when it comes to women, like it's kids Mm -hmm. and it's never any of those other things. So what are your thoughts on that? And just in general,
3: (laughs) I mean, I'm not even going to be here to your legacy is like, you're done. Like, I mean, who cares? That's what I think about that. I think that for me, the legacy that I want is for people to remember that I was a good person, that uh, I was generous in spirit and heart, and that I left my stamp on this world by trying to make it a better place in any way that I could. And I don't think children have anything to do with that. Children or money or that sort of success, it's who you are as a person. And there are so many ways that you can give to people and have those maternal instincts in your life and those maternal feelings. And someone I always think of is Oprah, like one of the most generous, giving, incredible people in our lifetime. And she doesn't have kids, but she's done so much for other people um, and has that real maternal vibe to her that I think really showcases that you don't necessarily have to have kids to to have those characteristics.
1: It's so true. Um I don't want to dwell on any negativity, but I feel like our listeners would just be curious to know how you deal with any backlash of not having kids and making that decision. Like, are there any followers? Because you've obviously built such a great following. And I think it's so fantastic to hear that people in your immediate circle respect your decisions because we love to hear that. But how Mm -hmm. about anyone else in the world,
3: any outsiders
1: who are trying to be a little troll like
3: yeah there's definitely like i've done some TikToks and they've gotten gone outside of the realm of my online community and have reached some really interesting people um and i don't like i don't take it personally at all and all the things that are said are just dumb anyway um you know it's usually just like that i'm not a real woman or like all just this stupid stuff or like exactly like you're selfish or you're this and i'm like great i'm glad that you think that way and it, it doesn't bother me at all it would bother me if it was like people that i knew that were and that like were part of my life but externally i think for me it's that these people exist in the world and are carrying on these ridiculous norms that women have to have children to have fulfillment in their lives that they have to to have any sort of value as a human being and um and that also being a mother that A lot of people think that being a mother, that you have these specific characteristics, and you can't have those if you're not. And I just don't think that's the case. So it's more of like I get frustrated at those people—not what they've directed at me, but that they hold these standards and they maybe hold those standards to other women in their lives.
0: One of my favorite blog posts, blog posts, blog posts (laughs) that you've done. was on imposter syndrome. It was a while ago. Mm-hmm. And it was, I just, it was like so moving. Um, and I think it's something that a lot of us deal with. We deal with it, I think, more and more because social media is such a pervasive part of our lives. Like, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, there's always someone doing something better than you. Or like you said before, you need to be a master at everything that you do. And that, You walk into something and you just need to be like the best or you suck and then never mind. It didn't happen. It doesn't matter. Do you have any, could you, for those who haven't read it, is there any insight that you can provide or any tips of getting through imposter syndrome?
3: Yeah. I, I mean, I still deal with imposter syndrome all the time. I think one of the biggest, I did a TEDx talk and that was probably the hugest like level of imposter syndrome I've ever dealt with in my life and I actually was working with a like a life coach at the time just to kind of get me through it and it was just it's like one of the things she told me to do she's like list 50 things that you bring to the world and it could have been a skill that I had it could have been like that I'm you know a great aunt whatever it was and seeing all those things on paper It was like, because sometimes with imposter syndrome, we're so in our heads and it's just so this like narrow hallway that we can't look outside of it. And we can't remember all the amazing things we've done in the past and everything that's led us to that point Um, and all the skills that we have and and all the like amazing characteristics. And so seeing all of that written down on paper was a really big thing. Like, oh, I deserve to be here. I deserve to be in this space. And um, it just provided like a lot more perspective on that.
0: I'm seriously, I'm seriously doing that. I need to do that. Like, that's it. It's like, I don't even think I, I, I in my mind, I'm like 50. Yeah. I'm <laughs> like, I can't, you know, but but it's true when you when you push yourself to be like, to mm-hmm. think of yourself mm-hmm. in a nice way, like to stop being your biggest critic constantly. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you'll be like, ugh, like you walk past yourself in a mirror and you're like, ugh, or you're like, oh, I can't do that. Or I can't afford that. Or how did they do that? Like that whole idea about comparison is a thief of joy it's just and we live in a place where you're constantly put in a position to compare yourself against the next because you're always seeing how people yeah. like you know their highlight reel but it it is you kind of it's, feel like you're getting a glimpse into someone else's life where before we would have never like even if just people on tv you saw that was about it so, i
3: know um, And that's, that's like another time when like, I feel these, like I feel moments when they come on, if I'm feeling overwhelmed or there is that like imposter syndrome, that's when I take breaks from social media because it is, you don't even realize you wake up in the morning and you're already consuming someone else's life before you've even had time to like appreciate your own. So, yeah,
0: I was listening to a podcast yesterday and they were saying that what's, happening with society now is that we are never allowing ourselves to the the freedom or the time to be bored as soon as we start Mm. to think like our mind even in line in starbucks or at your coffee place as soon as they're like you place your order and you have 30 seconds before the coffee comes up you're checking instagram you know you're in your emails you're seeing did anybody text me and the like you said, there's so much creativity that happens on the off time, on the time when you're not looking at something else and, and you're not digesting someone else's life, someone else's thoughts, someone else's. So it's like giving yourself that freedom is so key.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we need to turn back on our our social, like our timers. I turn off my timers on all my um my phone, my iPhone for like, this is how long you've been on Instagram. I feel like that needs yeah. to go back on. Because when you were saying that, Coco, I was thinking about, you know, all the kids and everything. Remember when you're a kid and you're bored and you're like, I'm bored. And your parents are like, go find yeah, something to yeah. do. Like only bored people, kids don't only have bored time people to be are bored. bored. <laughs> is that
0: what, that's what my parents yeah. used to say. I hated it, but it's <laughs>
2: true. <laughs> but they're not even wrong. And that's what I think is even crazier about it. When, when you're saying it is thinking about all the kids, all the things that we do, like kids don't even have mm-hmm. a chance to be bored anymore. So the second they're bored, they're like, pay attention,
0: entertain me. You're like, yeah. I bro, what? I caught my yeah. Carlo like, having a shower and she was playing YouTube in it. I'm like, bro, <laughs> like, no. Like you have a, a YouTube DIY show on while you're in the shower and she's like <laughs> looking through the glass. I'm like, no, this is enough. <laughs> enough.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love oh my it. my That was one of one of the things that that I really um, when I was doing writing that TEDx talk was um, I got into puzzles, doing jigsaw puzzles, because it was such a way to turn off my like just zone everything out and just doing that monotonous thing of like looking for one piece. It just let my brain go. And so I started like all the creativity would come to me in that moment because I was so hyper focused on like this one thing.
2: I know. I was like, maybe a coloring book. I'll get a coloring book. That's (laughs) fun. Yeah. Can relate. Can relate. Honestly.
0: How do you self-care? Like not in the hashtag self-care Sunday way, but how do you, other than puzzles, turn off and (laughs) take care of Lauren?
3: I think just like a lot of self-reflection. I read a lot of books that make me reflect on on myself on on what I know, um, make me rethink things that I think that I know or that um, I'm really like stuck in my ways and my values about. So I'm I love reading. I love taking that time to just like do nothing, um, which was also one of the thing reasons that I wanted to go back to working for somebody else um, and doing more of a nine to five is so that I could have those weekends and I could like switch my brain off and just have that downtime. But yeah, I read a lot. Again, like I take a lot of time for quiet. And I think that's really, really important to understand who you are. So again, whether it's like walking my dog for an hour and not taking headphones with me and just like letting my mind wander um, and being okay with being alone in that quiet, crying in that quiet um, and being uncomfortable. I think for me, that's like real, real self-care. Love that. How do you translate like a lot of people say they
1: read and they want to like change their beliefs and their perspectives? How do you practice that in your day-to-day of switching current beliefs to adopt something new
3: or something refreshing in your life? Listening. I think we so often talk too much and we just, you know, we always want to talk and and we don't listen to what somebody else is saying. Listen to you know, their perspective on something, try to understand how their perspective was formed out of experience or circumstance and how that may have formed a different life view on things. But I read um, recently a really good book called Think Again by Adam Grant. And uh, the whole idea of this book is that we should be thinking like scientists and, you know, we can have these values that are ingrained in us, but how are we constantly rethinking what we know to be true? And how are we seeking out new information that, can actually help us change our minds on things. Um, And I think that that book was excellent. I highly recommend it. And another book that I read that was really good um, that I recommend to everyone is called We Need to Talk by Celeste Headley. And it's how to have better conversations. And all of it is about active listening and really the idea of having a conversation with someone. Like the purpose of a conversation is not to try to convince somebody that you're right. It's to better understand where they're coming from. And so that was like a huge... Because <laughs> I was I am such a fiery person when I'm in like a deep conversation. But that book and that mentality has also helped me in having those conversations around anti-racism because I have had to have those difficult conversations Mm -hmm. where someone just doesn't get it. And you have to try to understand where their experience is coming from, their circumstance, how they formed that point of view. And only then can you provide them information in a safe way or just like a way that they can comprehend and will actually move the dial forward rather than just spewing information and getting angry at them. Um, so those kinds of things, I think sitting back and like really listening and, and taking information is really, really helped.
2: I wrote those books down. I'm,
0: I'm going to download them right now.
3: Yeah, they're really good.
0: Thanks, Lauren. You really did set this day up. Okay, well, thank you so much, Lauren. We really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your summer for day me. to join us so right. insightful it was so fun and I love having these conversations especially with you because it, now it sets my day up, the rest of the Friday up for like goodness because yeah giving good <laughs> advice and information and two books that we're going to check out I love a good yeah. book Recco. <laughs> oh
3: me too I, well thanks for having me I love having these conversations and I love your podcast it's so good well thank the three you. Of you have a great dynamic
1: you know what to do rate this podcast five stars on apple and don't forget to follow us on spotify you can continue keeping up with our adventure on the gram at coco and co that's c-o-w-e now go tell your friends about it